Lord who forgives all our sins.
letter of Paul to the Romans. What then are we to say that was gained by Abram, our ancestor, according to the plan? For if Abram was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abram believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who without works trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abram or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It is in the inheritance of the law who are to be the heirs. If it is the inheritance of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is not in the promise of void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things
How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things, you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but they have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Relationship. 
courageous beginning of his journey in his discipleship. And from that moment, through Jesus' trial and crucifixion, he would remain close by as his secret disciple. In relationship with Christ, drawn to the kingdom of God, but until after Jesus' death, which we'll get back to in a couple minutes, Nicodemus was unable to risk going all in and thus losing his place in society. Isn't that where most of us reside much of the time? With Christ, but still very attached to the material and social aspects in our lives that perhaps cause us to keep Jesus in arm's length. Perhaps we justify not offering our first fruits back to God because the world has convinced us that all we have is ours and that we as individuals have earned it and deserve to have complete control over it, to be generous only with our leftovers. We don't give a dollar to the homeless guy in the intersection because we don't know what he'll do with it, as if that's any of our business. Even if we give generously to our church and to those who, need, who are in need, who, who cross our paths every day, and even if we give to organizations that are doing good work in the world, we aren't always cognizant of the joy of offering our life back to God. The gratitude indicated in our gifts or the relational aspect of giving as an expression of love, as an acknowledgement that we need God, and as a corrective to the myth of self-reliance. I know this sounds like a rant. Please know it's not directed at you, but at us. Perhaps I should just speak of myself and for myself, but I know I'm not alone. We have to figure out, along with Nicodemus, how to come to Jesus in the daylight. How to take more risks. How to give more fully. How to empty ourselves of everything that diminishes the work of God in this world. In other words, we need to learn how to move more fully into relationship with Christ. The rest, I do believe, will follow. A deeper relationship did eventually happen between Nicodemus and Christ. Perhaps in a myriad of ways, but two moments of importance were actually written down. First, when the chief priests sent the temple police to arrest Jesus sometime after Nicodemus had come to him in the night. And the temple police came back without Jesus because his teachings had inspired them. The Pharisees scoffed at the police, wondering if they too had been tricked by this Jesus. The Pharisees claimed that no one who knew scripture would be fooled by Jesus as it was clear from the study of the Torah that a prophet was never supposed to come from Galilee. Nicodemus, who was present among the Pharisees, a leader among the Pharisees in this moment, did not publicly admit to following Jesus, but he did point out that the law demanded a fair hearing before judgment was made over this Jesus. A small but courageous bit of advocacy on Jesus' behalf. And then, sometime later, at the foot of the cross, after soldiers had pierced Jesus' side to make sure that he was dead, Nicodemus came into the daylight. He and Joseph of Arimathea, both secret disciples up until now, showed courage, generosity, and deep love. Joseph was brave enough to ask Pilate for Jesus' body. Nicodemus came with an abundant hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe with which
entirely impossible, but the crowd was still gathered. As these two secret disciples stepped forward and took Jesus' body down from the cross, prepared it with a generous bounty of burial herbs, wrapped him in linen, and laid him in a nearby new tomb. I was speaking with Sarah yesterday afternoon about the poignancy of this moment. She wondered if Nicodemus's generosity was unleashed when he saw Jesus's generosity on the cross. I wondered what is waiting to be unleashed in us. In whatever way we are still approaching Jesus under the cover of night and guarding ourselves from too much change or too much sacrifice. Let us be liberated from our hesitations. Because uninhibited relationship with Christ in the broad daylight just might change not only us, it just might change the world through us.
prayers for peace, for goodwill among nations, for the well-being of all people. Pray for justice and peace. I ask for prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, and those in prison. Pray for those in any need or trouble. I ask your prayers for all who seek God or a deeper knowledge of God. Pray that they may find and be found by God. I ask your prayers for the departed. Pray for those who have died. We pray for those for whom we have been asked to pray. Roy, Susan, Judy, TJ, Jonathan, Richard, Elliot, Susan, Don, Jim, Martha, Robert, Jack, Arlene, Logan, Aviva, Sarah, Janice, Ralph, Will, Vivian, Lynn, Edith, Dottie, Thomas, Claire, Stephen, Ah, Catherine, Randy, Agnes, Alice, Joan, Franklin, Kathy, Ava, Susan, Orlene, Peter, Kirsty, Eric, Hale, Wynn, Harry, Eleanor, Wynn and Jenny, Edie, those without jobs, those suffering, serving in the military, all who work for peace, and all those suffering as they flee war-torn countries. Are there others? Pray for those for whom we care and love. We pray in thanksgiving for the birth of Simone Tate Strangel, granddaughter of Claudia and Bill Waterhouse, and for our parish search group. Gracious God, we pray that your Holy Spirit guide Trinity Church in this time of change and transition. During this interim time, open our hearts in thanksgiving for this parish, as we now are now and as we discern our hopes for the future. Guide our search committee to work together in patience and harmony as they listen for your voice. With gratitude for your presence among us, we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. I invite your prayers and intercessions at this time, either silently or aloud. Praise God for those in every generation in whom Christ has been honored. Pray that we may have grace to glorify Christ in our own day. Almighty God, to whom our needs are known before we ask, help us to ask only what accords with your will, and those good things which we dare not, or in our mind that we cannot ask. Grant us for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
He should be back with us um, early in the week or after. Uh, we have not many announcements. I do want to thank Christmas Smith, who is here for these four weeks. She is an ordained Episcopal priest and an art historian, and she has been offering us a really wonderful 9 a.m. Lenten series at the Forum on symbolism in art for the ages. On the meaning of the cross. <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for being here. A couple of other brief announcements. One is you'll notice in your bulletin that we have a pretty extraordinary concert coming up, March 29th. Put it on your calendar now. We are actually getting um, the St. Uh, Thomas Boys Choir here for the Wednesday night. 7 a.m. concert while they are in town in Boston for another concert. So come. Uh, this is a wonderful opportunity. Um, let's see. Oh, and there's youth group tonight. There is youth group tonight. It's from 4 to 6. All of you, grades 6 to 12, are welcome to come. Here in the parish hall, there's another concert in here, and they use the undercut. So if you come to youth group tonight, just come to the parish hall. There is also healing prayer right over the transects during communion and immediately following for anyone who would like some prayer today for anything happening in their lives. Walk in love as Christ loves us and gave himself for us and offered and sacrificed to us.
note about it, I'm just going to take a liberty and say something before we begin the Eucharistic prayer. While I was listening to that anthem of God so loving us, I noted that we were about to sing hymn number 143. There's 143 of us. 143 is a shorthand for I love you. And I just invite us to listen for God I love you in the Eucharistic prayer today. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and good and joyful to give you thanks, all holy God, the source of life and fountain of mercy. You bid your faithful people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the possible peace that fervent in prayer and works of mercy and renewed by your word and sacrament. They may come to the fullness of grace which you have prepared for those who love you. Therefore, joining with angels and archangels and with all the faithful of every generation, we lift our voices with all creation as we sing. Christ and with Christ in Christ, 
In the unity of the Holy Spirit, to you be honor, glory, and praise forever and ever. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power of the